Hello and welcome back to the Convergence Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Minch. And I'm Caleb Metz. And today we've got for you a highly, I guess it's pretty controversial topic, uh, at least in the science realm, and that is GMOs. Uh, you've probably heard a lot about those on your clickbait news that you watch in the morning uh, that might be fake, it might be real. But uh, GMOs are an ever-growing, I wouldn't say threat, because we're going to argue some pros and cons for them in this. But there is an ever-growing presence in our modern technology-based world, and we're going to help you understand them a little bit. And also at the end, we'll go into, a, from a Christian perspective, what are we to do with this new technology that is developed within us? So we're going to start out by a little introduction about uh, what GMOs even are, uh, they're, they're very different like definitions of them, so getting the definition down of a GMO is really important here. So, Right, so the definition of a GMO, which GMO stands for Genetically Modified Organism, and this is from the result of a laboratory process where genes from the DNA of one species are extracted and artificially inserted into the genes of an unrelated plant or animal. The foreign genes may come from bacteria, viruses, insects, animals, or even humans. Yep, and this is from the definition from the Institute of Responsible for Responsible Technology. So, probably know what they're talking about. Just, just a plug. Uh, so, how you actually go about making these GMOs? Uh, there's a few steps involved. First, you've got to find a gene that, or a trait that you want. Uh, and so, this could mean if, in an agricultural sense. You could go out into a forest and see there's this one tree that's like fire resistant. And you see it didn't burn down when there's a forest fire. And you're like, I want that gene for all of my crops. So you can find, find a trait that you want. And then you've got to isolate the genetic trait. Uh, you do like an analysis. You could run some PCR on it, do some pizzazz, stuff like that. Uh, and then step three, you got to insert this gene that you've isolated into a new genome of another thing. And this is usually done either by... You insert the gene into bacteria, which they have a thing called a plasmid, which is pretty easy to manipulate and add genes into there. And then you infest pretty much a cell that you want the organism to go into. You infest their embryo, like a seed or something, with these bacteria. Or you can do what I think is the much cooler method. Shoot it with a gene gun. It's this gun that, I mean, most of them don't actually look like guns, but some of them actually do look like guns, at least the cheaper models. It's this gun that shoots little metal ball pellets and you literally are you take your seed you take these metal balls that are coated in dna and then you shoot them at the seed and i think it's like well like 15 percent maybe you'll hit it's a very low percentage rate of things that actually hit but if you do get a little all you need is a little bit for it to start replicating so you're pretty much just shooting you're just shooting the seed with the dna and hoping it gets into the genome somehow you burst some cells and then after you're done with that, you just grow the GMO out in like a special facility. They make special growth chambers that monitor and weed out all the ones that didn't accept the new GMO. And so, yeah, that's how you make GMO organisms. That's the basic process. People will do this on a wide scale in the agricultural industry. Uh, and so we're going to look at a little bit of how these GMOs are actually being used in our world today. Because it's not just agriculture, as you might have thought. Right. So first off, agriculture. That's a big one that you see in the news that everybody's talking about, oh, getting non-GMO this or talking about GMOs with food. Um, we have it in, like, for example, corn, soybeans, cotton, et cetera, et cetera. A bunch of almost every type of food has been genetically modified at one point. Um, not necessarily will it be in a circulation, but they've tried doing this just for experiments. 
Another way GMOs are used are in medicine. So there you have bacteria that produce insulin for humans to use for insulin injections for people who have diabetes. If these bacteria hadn't existed, the um, diabetes wouldn't have been able to be treated. They use them for energy, for biofuel production. They have bacteria that produce fuel. And then they have them for research, so studying different biological processes. We can take what, what we actually have here at Biola are zebrafish, but they have the P-GLO gene in them that lights up certain areas that they want to study, but they're genetically modified for that. So, yeah. So genetically modified organisms are everywhere. Uh, you'll, it's kind of the norm nowadays to genetically modify things for research in order to get a special result. Uh, but with genetically modified organisms, you have a sort of a, there's like a pros cons thing going on right now. And there's been a, a little bit of a war going on about the public's conception of GM or perception of GMOs versus the science backing it, telling it it's, oh, it's safe. The science, it's been tested by FDA and all that stuff. So really, I think I found an article uh, published in Science, which is a journal, a science journal. Uh, it's called Science, obviously. It's not a it's not a ballet journal or something like that. But it's an article written by Jose Diné, uh, and he says, if Greenpeace and other environmental advocacy organizations are going to fight the use of genetic engineering in agriculture, the old arguments that GMO crops are unsafe for consumption or ecologically hazardous need to be abandoned. We've already wasted 20 years fighting over a mere seed breeding technique that used sensibly and in the public interest can certainly help global efforts to fight poverty and make agriculture more sustainable in third world countries. So let's not waste 20 more years. And so he's he's on board with the GMOs, uh, but there's a lot of agencies such as Greenpeace and things that are against the use of GMOs because of various reasons. But he's pretty much saying that the fight isn't between the scientific evidence or not. He's like, science is already there supporting GMOs. It's just the public's perspective on this that's actually hindering it. Uh, and so what really went wrong with the GMO uh, as an industry? Uh, because they're, they were trying to prove, basically, that GMOs were healthy on a solely scientific basis, which they needed to take into account people's already preconceptions of moral convictions they might have or just views on uh, modified organisms or modified things in the past. Uh, and really, I think they failed to come up with a multifaceted argument that meets all of these different needs. And so really these pros and cons that we're going to have to go into are some pros and cons uh, that potential effects it could have or potential benefits. But ultimately, I think the GMO argument will maintain itself despite what the scientific evidence for its favor uh, withholds because of these multifaceted things such as moral conviction, which we'll get into a little bit later what the Christian should do about this moral conviction or personal conviction type issue. So the, some of the pros of GMOs, food crops can grow faster with fewer nutrients, waters, or pesticide usage. This is a big plus because you need to you get to manufacture less chemicals to make less pesticides. You can use this in developing countries to boost the agriculture and feed starving populations. Uh, you can also increase the shelf life of food, which means less wasted food, which is always a plus. We don't like our trash. Uh, and they've also tested these by the FDA. They're pretty healthy. Uh, no negative side effects of those as well. Uh, and there's lots of also another pro is there's lots of potential research opportunity with GMOs. 
the ability, as Caleb said, uh, to do that P-GLO on the zebrafish embryos allowed them to identify different neurons uh, that they wouldn't have previously been able to do without these GMO embryos. So it'd be, it's a really great technique for research, especially on like lower level organisms like yeast, mice, I guess zebrafish, stuff in those range are really crucial with the genetic research. Uh, we've actually been able to genetically modify rats to produce similar proteins to humans so they can test how new drugs affect and they can discover new cures to common diseases that we have by treating these rats instead of using humans as testing, which we can all agree is pretty unethical to test new drugs on humans. But, I mean, they have to eventually get it up to that stage after they've done some rat testing. There's always going to be a guinea pig. No pun intended if we're talking about rats. And yeah, that was a bad one. That was really bad. Yep. So, yeah. So, what are some of the cons, Caleb? I know you did some research into this. Right. So, some of the cons are that you said that no apparent health effects have been around for 20 years, but they haven't been around long enough to find long term effects for like 40 years in or so forth. Um, you have transgenic modification produces organism types which would never occur naturally making them highly predict unpredictable so we don't pre can't predict what's going to happen if we change this gene it might completely kill the organism gmos could affect those with allergies in unpredictable ways this is dealing with food because they produce different ways of producing say um, glucose say a plant's using even the most use the same way way of storing that it might the way it's stored might affect with someone's allergies where they're not usually allergic to that food but this way they are Though GMOs were developed with a view to reducing the amount of pesticides used, this is not always the case. As weeds and bacteria become resistant to the pesticide, farmers actually use more, safe in the knowledge that the crop will not be affected. So knowing that their crop won't be affected by pesticides, they will use more and more, which that might produce, um, like what we have with antibiotic resistance, bacteria and weeds resistant to the pesticides. And they found that some genetically modified food sources have caused, um, have led to rats having higher risk of them developing liver and kidney problems. Um, but with rats, this might not affect humans the same way. So that's uh, interesting looking at. They need to do more research with that. Um, GMOs are not always tested thoroughly. The shortest GMO testing times are sometimes just 90 days, which some people fear that this is not long enough to look at all the risks. This appeal looking at how people are looking in on, well, if this isn't tested long enough, why do I want to ingest this? Looking at their perspective. And then comes some like ethical challenging issues with modifying organisms. Like, is this correct? Is this ethically sound? And which yeah. we'll talk about in our next point. Yeah. So there's a lot of these problems that come up uh, there's a lot of small cases which I think most people could agree that genetically modifying the organism is great for like research uh, especially making insulin with the genetically modified bacteria I think that's a fantastic thing that's saving many lives uh, and but there's a lot of these cases that will come up where maybe it's not ethical there's a lot of gray area there's like some that are like cloning humans obviously not a good thing <laughs> red flag but there's also a lot of gray area so there's a lot of personal conviction that comes into this uh too so you can weigh your evidence and see which which view you like better which one personally s supports your view and so some of these cases uh would be 
like a man we talked about in like episode three the woolly mammoth cloning people are trying to bring back the woolly mammoth if go check out episode three i believe it's called like cloning the woolly man bringing back the woolly mammoth something like that it was a really interesting discussion on the ethics of that from a christian worldview which what are the pros and cons of accepting this new cloning and so that could be uh an ethically challenging issue uh, we've also got genetically modifying upper higher up organisms such as cows and goats to produce more milk or to become immune to certain diseases uh, the effects this might have on the cow uh especially i mean it sure it produces more milk but we don't know if it'll be like more sick or die quicker uh there's certain effects that i mean if depending on how high you view animal life uh could affect the way that you view gmos as well right and also with like producing more milk it could be using different resources than what it would normally use which could put in things that are not necessarily good for maybe the calf to drink too um, genetically modifying organisms to produce human organs, that's kind of a ethical concern because you could just create an organism just to do that and then you could just kill it, which yeah. is kind of... But then you also have to weigh the saving the bene- human benefits, lives yeah. with these organs that are usually you'd have to get either from a dead body that recently died or some other way of growing it on someone's like arm or something like that. So Right, and another one is gene therapy which is becoming really big right now with medicine Um, current gene therapy research has focused on treating individuals by targeting the therapy to body cells such as bone marrow or blood cells this type of gene therapy cannot be passed to a person's children if you're worrying about passing this modification on Um, gene therapy could be targeted could be targeted to egg and sperm cells germ cells however which would allow the inserted gene to be passed to future generations. This idea of um, putting this gene therapy to germ cells is very controversial. While it could spare future generations in a family from having a particular genetic disorder, it might affect the the development of a fetus unexpectedly or have long-term side effects that are not known. Because people who would be affected by this therapy are not born. They can't choose if they want it done to them. Mm-hmm. Just like this raises these ethical concerns. And that's why gene therapy on those cells are not allowed by the U.S. government. But when you think of gene therapy to humans, that's modifying human cells. Is that okay? Are we allowed to do that? Is is that, yeah, is that playing God too much to try to prevent diseases potentially? Uh or we might end up just messing up the fetus altogether and just destroying it and not letting it have a life. So there's a lot of really big questions that come up with GMOs. Uh, and we're going to sort of dial, delve into how this fits in a Christian world, in a Christian worldview. Wow, grammar's not on my side today. Um, so as we saw, as we said before, a lot of things with GMOs, there are some very big red flags and there are some very big white flags i don't know what's the opposite of red flag like blue flag i don't like know. safe like safe safe green uh, flag yeah green flag that's a good yeah green there's a lot of green flags but there's a lot of if we're going traffic light metaphor yellow. there's a lot in the yellow zone yeah so there's a lot in the either yellow or gray zone where that's a matter of personal conviction whether you think it's ethical or not to use these gmos or not uh it's really up to personal concern but here's a few guidelines i guess or sort of how I see the 
the struggle uh, in the GMO thing. We've got a struggle between playing God. Uh, we see this all throughout the Bible. The Tower of Babel was actually the first instance. Uh, I mean, you could even trace it back to Adam and Eve, the central sin of pride. They wanted to be like God, eating the, the apple off of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, that's ultimately how Satan tempted them. And so you've also got the Tower of Babel trying to build the tower, uh, trying to be God and get to heaven by building that tower. Obviously, it didn't work out too well. Uh, we see also worshiping King Nebuchadnezzar. He was trying to elevate himself as a god. And also, pretty much every king in Babylon did that at the time. In Isaiah 13, there's a prophecy against Babylon saying how they're going to get completely wiped out because of this, because they are playing God. And so you've got to struggle with GMOs. Are you playing God? Is this something that should be messed with? Or is this something strictly in the domain of creator? We've got this creator-creator creation distinction. Is this something that's reserved for the creator himself? But then you've also got a struggle between this and you've got the idea that God gave us these tools. Uh, he's, the first command in the Bible is to be fruitful and multiply. And I guess you can't really multiply if you don't do some stuff. <laughs> that was bad. Uh, and so we've also gotten John when they... It says, when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fra fragments that nothing may be lost. So we see Jesus telling his disciples also to sort of be resourceful. Uh, we've got the parable of the talents, which is the biggest example of this in Matthew 25. Uh, each person is given talents and there's said to use the resources, like invest it and make back more money when the servant comes back or when the master comes back and then the servant who just buried it in the dirt didn't get didn't get uh, trusted with more things, but the people who invested it. So we've got this struggle between, are we supposed to use these tools that God gave us? Or are we supposed to play God? Or are we not supposed to play God? And so I think these things sort of come into conflict. But I think one of the major things with the second, you with the second issue, uh, God gave us these tools as by this, we can use the logic that using tools can also lead us to do some things that are very unbiblical, such as, using the God-created mechanism of fission to create a bomb that took the lives of thousands of Japanese citizens and started nuclear warfare. I mean, this is the same the same uh, idea of God use, gave me these tools. Why can't I use it to start wars and bomb the crap out of people? But, I mean, it brings up a lot of, like, ethical concerns with the tools. How do we use them in a biblical way, if that makes sense? Right, but fission could be used for good, yeah. as it's used for nuclear energy, which provides energy for a lot of people that might not be able to have energy. Yeah, so I think a better way, instead of looking at this tension and seeing everything as a, do I use these tools, or do I avoid playing God, I think a better way to approach this tension is to look at the outputs of GMOs and to see if they match up with the biblical way of handling life. And so I think the best way to approach this GMO problem is to understand that mankind's role on the earth and the biblical guidelines that God has given us for our life. And obviously you can't get that without reading the Bible. So that's the first suggestion of how to get a better grasp on the GMO things. But we also have to understand mankind's role on this earth. Uh, we know we're called to be stewards. So you can ask yourself if you encounter a GMO situation, uh, does this cause life to be destroyed or does this make life flourish uh, sort of thing? Uh, we see that in Genesis uh, are called to be stewards. We've talked about this multiple times on the show. Uh, and we're also called to love others. So ultimately you can evaluate a situation by does this love others or does this going to bring destruction to others or tear them down? 
And then we've also got this overarching plan of reconciliation that God has in set, and we are part of this plan. So does this pro- does this GMO or whatever help the plan, or does this going to hinder God's plan of reconciliation by bringing hurt to some other? It sort of fits in with the other two points. And then we also know that we're called to be Christ-like. Uh, and this can mean being others-focused, uh, being purposeful, being biblically-minded, and also being creative. I mean, I think Jesus was very creative with his parable-telling and his use of hot and cool communication. We talked a little bit about that last week with Coleman on that episode. So Jesus used both kind of communication. He had a creative side to him. So I think we are called to have a little bit of creativity, uh, but is that creativity, again, Is it does it destroy life? That's a red flag. Does it cause harm to others is it going to is it going to be like not for a part of his purposeful reconciliation plan and then i think also uh what we need to consider is as christians we need to be needy defenders uh because god is just we find meaning in providing for the oppressed so i think you can ask yourself does this is this gmo going to help people that are in need i think a lot of the agricultural questions it does uh, especially the seed that can help the agriculture in third world countries develop a lot faster and smoother. I think that's definitely one where uh, you could take this into account, but then you'd also have to take into account all the other faceted things and health benefits and such. Uh, and, but the last point I wanted to make was God wants us to be set apart or holy. We see this all over the New and Old Testament. Just because others accept a GMO practice doesn't mean you should. You should always consider, go back to the Bible and consider uh, your own personal convictions and uh, the ethics of Jesus. And yeah, so I guess in summary of all of our GMOs, uh, don't get triggered when you hear the word GMO. Uh, Not all of it is bad and certain uses can actually be glorifying to God by using the resources you're given to their fullest. And if you use these in the right way, it can actually be a form of worship. But if you use them in the wrong way, who knows? It's not a form of worship. Yeah, it's a form of destruction and bad, bad, bad. So, yeah. So, if you want to read more on this topic, uh, I recommend a book called The Seeds of Science by Mark Linus. Uh, he is actually talking a lot about this new the seed technique that uh, was talked about in the science article. Uh, and that whole thing and the catastrophe with genetically modifying the seed that we could use to bring a lot of the world out of poverty and out of starvation. So a lot of cool stuff in that book. Uh, Be sure to check us out on Twitter at Convergence Podcast BU. Uh, We post all of our episodes there. We also post them on our SoundCloud, Instagram. uh, And so you can just go tweet us at hashtag Convergence Podcast BU. Uh, Any questions or if you just want to be on the show, you have some feedback that you want to talk to us about. Be sure to hit us up there. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. This has been the Convergence Podcast.